You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. Home insurance. You see, we all, hopefully, we all have home insurance in some way, shape, or form. And the way that the home insurance is designed, that if something from the outside comes and attacks the house, if something happens to the house, someone's going to take care of it. I don't have to deal with it. That they'll pay, they'll provide, they'll do whatever. I remember living in Louisiana when hurricanes would come. And I remember as we were uh, packing up mandatory evacuations, we had to leave. When Katrina came and Rita came and that whole area of storms that blew through and we had to um, uh, emergency evacuate from our house whenever Rita was coming. And I remember loading stuff up in our car, and we were taking multiple cars, and, um, and we got in the car, we started it, we were about to leave, and I remember mom and dad walking the property, and they were praying over our property as we were leaving. And as you're pulling out, you're wondering, what am I going to come back to? What type of mess are we going to come back to and see? But it was good that we had insurance for any of the damage that was done to our house that took care of protected. But what happens when we have emotional instability that wrecks the inside of the house? I can't go to State Farm and say, my wife is crazy, or our marriage is falling apart, or my kids, they're wild. There's no peace in the household. We have insurance with State Farm. I can't go to them and talk to them and say, I need money or I need help to stabilize our household. There is no peace. There is frustration. There's anger. There's chaos. How can I get home insurance for emotional stability? How can I bring peace into my house? I'm glad you asked that question today because I want to answer it today. People want the peace of God to be in their house, I believe. We want peace in our house, right? We want emotional stability. There's chaos at work. There's chaos at the grocery store, the gas station, at other people's house. But when I step foot into my house, I want to breathe. I want to relax. I don't want to be nervous and anxious and craziness of it. Today, I want to help you See how to bring Jesus from the church house into your house. Amen? When destruction happens in your home, here's the insurance policy to get it fixed. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 18. Here's a promise that God was speaking over the Israelites, but I'm taking that promise and I'm bringing it into my house. My people, me, the land family, that's my last name, the land family will dwell in a peaceful habitation. Amen. Now, that would be good right there. Once again, I always want to show you the abundance of God. If he would have said, you just had a peaceful habitation, you would have said, praise God, amen. But God is more than enough. The land family will dwell in peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and look at this, in a quiet, resting places. This is my prayer for my household, and hopefully as you step foot into your household After church today, this will be your prayer. That my dwelling, my place, we we will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in a quiet, resting place. 
And I want to talk to you about this insurance policy by talking about a story in Mark. I wrote Matthew, but I'm pretty sure it's Mark. Chapter 5. We're going to go through this story. And you've been in church. You've heard the story of Jairus and his daughter who was sick at home. In Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21, we'll read to 24 and then we'll kind of jump off from there. Mark chapter 5 verse 21 says, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. Verse 22, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Verse 23, And begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed. That's what we just did, so receive that today again. And she will live. Verse 24. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And then that story goes into the woman with the issue of blood. Step number one to activate the home insurance policy for peace in your house, is to invite Jesus in and over. Invite Jesus in and over. Jairus being fairly high level in the church, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes pastors, they call it humbleness, but it's actually pride, don't like asking for help. We as pastors feel this heavy weight and burden to burden and carry the weight of the congregation a lot of times. When in the reality, Jesus says, cast your cares upon him, including the burdens of the church family. But we take on sometimes more things than we can chew. We don't ask for help. We don't ask help from a peer level, and we don't ask help from a God level sometimes until it's too late. And Jairus, being a leader in the church, could have sent somebody. He could have sent an associate pastor. He could have sent the kids pastor, the worship leader. He could have sent an usher, somebody, hey, go talk to Jesus. Tell him to come. Tell him I'm a big deal in the church. He'll know who I am. Tell him my name. But that's not what Jairus did. Because Jairus had gotten to a point in his life, he had gotten to a place where his house was so chaotic, was so unrestful, there was no peace there. His daughter is sick, and she's gotten to the point of death where the man of the house had to stand up and say, now is the time that I have to get Jesus involved. And I'm not going to send a servant I'm not going to send a friend or a family. I'm not going to send my wife. I'm going to go to Jesus myself and ask him, he's got to come fix this. He's got to take care of this. So Jairus shows up, and he doesn't show up like Nicodemus in the middle of the night. He doesn't send a text. He doesn't slide into the DMs of Jesus and say, hey, can you come and visit me? I'll drop my address to you. He shows up when he hears that Jesus had made landfall. And there's all these people, and all these people see this man. Isn't that Jairus? That looks like him. I'm pretty sure I know him. I can recognize him from everywhere. And he pushes past the crowd, and he comes to Jesus. And we can put up verse 22 again. And behold, one of the rulers of the came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, 
He doesn't stand there in a posture of trying to be bigger than Jesus, trying to be bigger than everybody else to show that he's okay, that everything's all right. He's at a point in his life where something has to change in his house. And it says that he fell at his feet. Look at verse 23. And begged him earnestly, saying, come, lay your hands on her that she may be healed and that she may live. He understood that something had to change in his household. Something had to be healed. Something had to be restored. Peace had to be brought back to his house. And he's the one that went and invited Jesus to come. Now, Jesus will answer other people's prayers. I believe that God answers other people. We all have that grandmother who's been praying for us for years. We have that pastor that we always call. He can pray. He's got a direct line to God. We go to other people. Hey, can you pray for me? How's it going? Well, just pray for me. And prayers are good, but there's something that happens when you've had enough of a situation and you go to God and say, God, you've got to come down to earth. And in verse 24, it doesn't say that Jesus questions him. It doesn't say that Jesus puts on this big display of trying to humble him. Or do all these things. It says that Jesus just comes. That when this man shows up and says, I need you to help in my house. Jesus says, okay, let's go. And starts walking and going with him. That it's vital that we in ourselves invite Jesus into our house, into our situation. In Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10 any type of salvation message or any type of salvation altar call, we've heard this scripture before. It says, but what does it say that the word is near you? The word is near you. So many people are looking for peace, are looking for things in their lives, and they go outside in a way to go try and find. Well, I have to go to the bar to try and find peace. I have to leave my wife or my husband to try and find peace. I have to leave my kids. I have to go somewhere far away to bring peace to my life. When it says here that the word is near you. The Word of God is right near you, and it's ready, it's active, it's breathing, it's ready to move and help your situation. But we go and look for the answer from far away when the Word is near you. How near is it? It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the Word of faith that we preach. And then verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised Christ from the dead... You will be saved. Verse 10 just kind of reminds us of what it said in verse 9. If it says the same thing in multiple times, in multiple scriptures, you should be paying attention to what it's telling us to do. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And so many people are fine with doing this for salvation. And once they get saved, they stop this process. If it's good enough to get you saved, then it's good enough to keep saving you in whatever you need. That I need to be believing in my heart and confessing with my mouth, not just my pastor's mouth, 
but with my mouth confessing that God is going to show up, that God is going to provide, that God is going to heal, that a miracle is going to happen. If I'm confessing in my mouth and believing, it says that you'll be saved. Yes, saved eternally, saved from hell and for heaven, but also saved in every aspect of your life. I don't know about you, but I need some saving in my life. Like I said, there's been some sickness in my family's life over the last week, and I'm tired of it. I need some saving, some healing saving in our kids, in our bodies. So I'm going to confess the word, and I'm going to believe the word, that God's word is stronger and more powerful than what my physical body feels like. And I'm going to invite Jesus into my house. I'm going to invite Jesus into my body. I'm going to invite Jesus into my church to bring peace to the situation. Every house that me and Maddie, every apartment, every house that me and Maddie have lived in, whenever we buy the house, whenever we move into the house, the first thing we do is we get some oil. We didn't have fancy anointing oil, so we had Crisco. We walk through the house, and we would anoint the windows, and we would anoint the doors, inviting Jesus in. We'd have communion together. We had the little fancy cups that somehow never opened. We need to invent some good communion cups. We'd make a killing in the church. <laughs> Don't put that on Facebook Live. Let's figure it out here. <laughs> Don't let them know. We'd walk through the doors. We'd walk through the rooms. We'd pray. We'd anoint the doors and the windows. We'd invite Jesus into the house. And we'd kick out whatever was in there before. Invite Jesus in ourselves to come and move. There's been times in our marriage, I have been blessed in some ways of God speaks to me through dreams. So I'll go to sleep and I'll have these dreams. But there's also been kind of demonic dreams that I've had in the past. And when I've had those, and I've talked with Maddie about them, we say, no, 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 something, something happened. And something's got to change. Let's get the anointing oil. Let's get the communion. And let's walk through the house again. I've even gone as far, whether you might think it's funny or not, where I've walked to the front door of my house and opened the door and said, whatever is causing this and this to happen, you've got to leave. The door's open. You're not allowed back in. Now, you might think, Pastor, you're crazy. I can't believe you do that. But it might be something that might set your house free. Kick them out. And sweep them out. There you go. There you go. Clean the house too while you're at it. <laughs> we pray over the house. We take communion together in the house. We invite Jesus in to start the home insurance policy. Yes, as your pastor, I'll come to your house and I'll pray and I'll bring some anointing oil. But there's something powerful that happens when Jairus shows up to Jesus, Jesus just starts going with him. It's like he just compelled Jesus when he, when he showed up. He says, Jesus, I need you to fix this. I've done everything I can. I've called every doctor. I've called every pastor. I've called everybody to come and heal my daughter. And the house is chaos. And Jesus, you're the only one that can fix it. Please come and take care of this. And Jesus says, oh, okay. You don't think Jesus has a schedule? You don't think Jesus is busy? That there's people around him that want him to come to their house as well? But Jairus just invited him over and Jesus just started moving. 
Dropping down in the story, Mark chapter 5, verse 38. By this time, some servant had showed up. The woman with the issue of blood had touched Jesus, and Jesus is ministering to the woman with the issue of blood. Well, she no longer had the issue of blood. She was healed. And somebody showed up and whispered in Jairus' ear that your daughter is already dead. Quit troubling Jesus. And Jesus, while he's ministering to this woman, stops, looks at Jairus, and says, just believe. Don't believe what they said. Let's believe what you came and prayed for, because I'm going to answer that prayer. Don't listen to what the world's saying. Don't listen to what other people are saying. You came, and you asked a prayer, and I'm coming to answer that prayer. Might not be the timing that you want, but I'm coming to answer the prayer. Believe. So in verse 38 of Mark chapter 5, they finally get to the house. And Jesus came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult. He saw chaos. He walks into the house and he's like, oh my goodness, there is, there is all these people going crazy. And those who wept and wailed loudly. Verse 39, and when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. The people who were wailing and crying and flailing and doing all this emotion and all this drama, look at verse 40, they don't say, you're right, Jesus, I've heard you do miracles. You're about to raise this girl from the dead. I can't wait for what you're about to do. That's not what they did. What they did is they ridiculed him. What do you mean she's sleeping? She's dead. We checked her pulse. We already know. It's over. Jesus didn't take too kindly to that. And when he had put them all outside... <laughs> He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, and he entered where the child was laying. Did I go to verse 41? No, I stopped at verse 40. Number two for the home insurance policy. Remove the drama and the emotion. Oh, boy. Everybody take your shoes off because I'm coming to stomp on them. Remove the drama and the emotion. Jesus shows up to the house, and the first thing he sees is unnecessary drama, unnecessary emotion. Back in the day, during the death of somebody, they would hire these people to come and wail at your funeral. They would hire people, and it was their job to show up and, ah, did you even know them? Did you even know the little girl? No, I'm just getting paid to do this. Just drama, just chaos everywhere. And Jesus shows up, and the first thing he does after you invite him over is he starts pointing out the unnecessary drama that's causing the chaos. He wants to fix the problem. He wants to fix the thing that's dying in your house. But he says, first, we've got to shut out all this other stuff. Get rid of it. Clear it out. There's so much emotion and drama and noise around the house that Jesus kicks it out. Have you ever left trash in your trash can too long in your house? We have a daughter who's refusing to be potty trained. Refusing at three years old. Lord, help the drama. <laughs> she still has dirty diapers. And sometimes we forget how dirty those diapers can be for just a couple hours in the trash can. Have you ever cooked fish in your house 
and then reheated that fish in your house, that smell that's there. Well, what do you have to do? You've got to remove the dirty diaper. You've got to remove the fish so the smell will be gone. You've got to remove the drama from your house. Listen, we live in a world that loves drama, right? I mean, we love it. The news is all about drama. It doesn't sell anything else other than drama. Somebody surviving is at the end of the news. We want to talk about all the people that died throughout the news. But sometimes we bring unnecessary drama into the house. The work drama. The outside family drama. Just life drama. We bring it into the house. We carry it all with us. And we walk inside and there's our wife. There's our kids. They've been cleaning the house. They've been shining everything, cleaning up their room. She's been cooking and doing all these things. And here we come into the house and we just vomit all over the house. We just bring all this drama in with us. We open the door and we say, come on in, work drama. Come on in, family drama. Just come on in. Let's sit at the table. The first thing that Jesus does when he shows up is he kicks it all out, removes it all. He says, because if I can get all this drama and all this noise and all this excess emotion, listen, God gave us emotions and he allows us to use the emotions, but sometimes we are overusing those emotions. We're not to be led by emotions. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit, is what the Scripture says. If we can calm down the drama, we can calm down. Jesus just puts his finger right on it. Y'all, y'all have to leave. Nope. If I'm going to heal the house, I've got to find where the issue is. I've got to find where the dead thing is in the house. First, we've got to get all this noise and this drama out of here. But he keeps the husband and wife. No doubt the husband and wife are crying. No doubt the husband and wife are wailing. No doubt the husband and wife are going crazy at that moment because they just lost their daughter. And he lets that emotion stay there, but he gets everything else. In Proverbs chapter 29, 11, look at this scripture. A fool, I didn't write it, so if it hurts you, it's not me. I'm just reading it. A fool vents all of his slash her feelings, but a wise man slash woman holds them back. Holds them back. A fool vents all of their feelings, but a wise person holds them back. They know when to release the emotion. They know when to hold them back. Let that minister to you today. Psalms 94, verse 19. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, look at this, your comfort delights my soul. Your comfort. Jesus shows up on the, at the house of Jairus in the multitude of the anxieties in that house. The multitude of them. He brings comfort to those who need it, to Jairus and his wife. He doesn't even bring all of his disciples in. He just brings Peter, James, and John in. I mean, even he has this understanding, I can't bring even some of the Christian people in, some of the disciples in. I don't know if you know this, but sometimes Christian people cause a lot of drama too, inside and outside the church, I know, revelation. He says, I can't even bring all them in. It's got to be a small group if we're going to have peace in the household. We're going to have peace in the household. I'm bringing just a small group in here. I've pushed out everything. 
You've invited me in. Now that you've invited me in, I'm going to start fixing some things. Why? Because he wants to bring peace to the house. And they're in there, in this room. And let's finish up. I can smell the food cooking. Mark 5, the last part of it, 41, 42, and 43. Then Jesus takes the child by the hand. He walks into the house and he finds the dead thing in the house. He doesn't go, ooh, gross. He touches the dead thing. He puts his finger right on the dead thing. And he says to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Verse 42. Immediately, the girl arose, praise God, and walked, for she was 12 years of age, and they were overcome with great amazement. You see this emotion, as opposed to the emotion that he pushed out, the chaos, the crazy, he lets this emotion reign supreme. They were overcome with great amazement. Verse 43, and he commanded them strictly that no one should know it, and said something should be given her to eat. The last part, the home insurance, is let God point out, work on, and heal the house. Let God point out, work on, and heal the house. You see, Jesus sees the situation differently. You might be in your household now, you might be in your marriage, you might be with your kids. You say, this is just crazy. Everything's falling apart. I don't understand what's going on. All these dreams are dying. All these things are happening. And Jesus, when he walks into the house, he says, wait, wait, wait. The girl's not dead. She's only sleeping. Everybody else saw the situation as dead. And Jesus points it out as something completely different. It's not dead. She's just sleeping. That when you invite Jesus in, you get rid of all the drama and all the noise the Holy Spirit, it says, is going to lead us and guide us into all truth. And he's going to put his finger on that situation. And he's going to start talking to you about it. And chances are, how he talks about it is way different than how you see it and how you perceive it. Because God is a God who speaks life into things. God is a God of second chances. God is a God of more than enough. That God, when he sees something, he speaks. His word is not going to return to him void. So he's going to speak life into that situation. You might say, well, like Ezekiel, when he's standing in the, the valley of dry bones. My God, how are these bones going to live? So you do something. Breathe into them. Let God point it out. Let God work it. Let God work on it. He grabs the child. And he speaks his word into the child. And the situation that was dead, that was decaying, that was lost, that was painful, all of a sudden starts coming back to life. All of a sudden starts growing, coming back to life. Now someone who is dead probably shouldn't just get up and walk. You would want to ease them into it. You would want to slowly, wait, just stay right there. Let me put another pillow underneath you. Just rest. Close your eyes. But as soon as God touches that, he picks it up, comes back to life, and starts moving again. What if peace started moving through your house again? 
What if the presence of God started moving through your house again? The death of whatever that is that I believe the Holy Spirit is revealing to you through this message now. What if he took that situation, whatever that drama was, and he brought it back to life? That he works on it. And then he heals the house. It would be great if God walks in, Jesus walks in there, heals him, and it heals her, and then walks out. But not only does Jesus take care of the situation right now, it says in the scriptures that your word is a lamp unto my feet right here and a light unto my path. Not only does he take care of her right then and there, he takes care of her future by saying, give her something to eat. Give her some nourishment so that she can keep moving forward. That the Holy Spirit in your house right here, right now, wants to start working in your house. He wants to heal the death in your house. And then he wants to provide things and speak to you about things to help it grow moving forward. God doesn't want a tree just to be healthy enough to produce fruit one time. We have a pear tree in the back of our house and we got pears off of it maybe last year or two years ago. And they were probably the best that we've seen since we've had them. And then this year, the pear tree is there, and there are growths all over the pears. The, 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 now, I'm not uh, in any way uh, prepared with a green thumb to go and fix this. I don't know what it is, but if you know, come check out my pear tree. Uh, but there's growths, and the trees are dying, the leaves are dying. It's trying to grow better shoots. It's going straight up, and it's trying to grow. It's trying to do all those things. God is not wanting to birth something in you for it just to happen one time. He wants you to prepare and, and give fruit and give fruit and give fruit and give fruit. He wants to fill you to the top, overflowing, so that you can help others. You can bring home insurance to other people and show other people. When they walk into your household and they say, wait a second. This used to be crazy. There used to be all kind of stuff going on all over the house, and all of a sudden there's a peace, and there's a calmness. And when people show up, and they try and bare their teeth and their arms and their, their gnarled claws of whoever that person is you think of when they step foot in your house, all of a sudden it retracts, and you have that nice conversation. You can have dinner, and you can have time together with them because you're coming into my house. I've already invited Jesus over. We've already removed the drama. And God's working in my house. So when you come into my house, you're not going to bring that drama. It's not going to happen. I've got home insurance with Jesus. Growing up, I've been a, a fan all my life of Sherlock Holmes. Do you remember on Disney that came out with that movie, The Great Mouse Detective? Which was like an offshoot of uh, Sherlock Holmes. When I went to India and we went back through London. We had a 24-hour layover in London. And we went to Sherlock Holmes' house. His little, uh, they have like a, a, on Baker Street you can go and uh, they have a tour. It's a lot of money. Uh, I didn't have that money. Uh, but they have like where you can buy his books and you can buy all the things written about him. And it was so interesting. And there's movies about him. Robert Downey Jr. does a tremendous job of playing this quirky guy of where he can walk into a situation that everybody else says, nobody can solve this. Nobody can figure this out. It's always been like this. And he has this weird way of looking at it and deciphering it and figuring it out and being able to present the solution to solve the crime. 
that Jesus is your Sherlock Holmes who's ready to show up, who's ready to help you, who's ready to pinpoint what's going on in your house and bring peace to your house. A couple more scriptures and I'm done with this. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Look at this. My son or daughter, if, if, it starts this whole thing with if, which means there is contingency on you doing something. If you receive my words and treasure, or that word treasure means hide my commands within you. If you receive my words, what he's going to tell you, what he's speaking to you, what he tells you to throw out, what he tells you to change, what he tells you to do, what he tells you not to do. If you receive your word and hide his commands within you so that you incline your ears to wisdom. Not just listening to anybody. What you need to do is go do this. No, no, no. I'm not just listening to everybody's opinion. I want to hear what God has to say about me and my household. Joshua says, as for me and my household, we're going to be saved. We're going to serve God. We're going to follow him. So that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Verse 3, yes, there's even more. If you cry out for discernment, here we go. We're inviting Jesus in. Inviting him over. If you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, there's even more. Here we go, verse 4. If you seek her, as talking about wisdom, as silver, and search for her as hidden treasure, look at this. After you do those things, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord of God and find the knowledge of God. Now, I can see a lot of you right there. You're like, that's too much work. I'm not even going to do I can't even do verse 1. No, no, no. It's just listening to the voice of God, reading his word, hiding that in your heart, confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart. That's all it's talking about. The Bible says it over and over and over again. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. You'll be saved. And you'll be saved from the chaos of your mind. You'll be saved from the chaos of what's coming on and trying to happen in your house. If you believe the trust, the word of God, then you'll find the true understanding God will speak to you, and he'll reveal wisdom to you. You need to change this. You need to stop doing this. You need to, oh, okay. And you'll find out how simple, if I just stop doing this, if I just stop bringing this home, if I just stop doing that, all of a sudden, peace starts showing up in the household. In the last scripture, Psalms 147, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted. That would be great if God just did that. But not only does he heal the brokenhearted, he also gives you something to eat. He binds up your wounds. So that you can be whole, you can be healed, and you can move forward. You can move forward. He heals the brokenhearted. Whether you like them or not, I'm not here to judge. It's between you and God and the Holy Spirit will reveal. Me and my wife, we don't watch scary movies in the house. We don't watch horror movies in the house. I I just, I just, I, I don't enjoy watching a movie where somebody mutilates another human. It's hard for me to watch that. On top of, if you add any type of demonic activity in a movie as well, that makes you go bump in the night. I've had too many real demonic type things that I don't need to see somebody portraying them or inviting them into my house. Now, if you like those, that's between you and the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you and guide you into all truth, whether you're supposed to watch them or not. But as for me in my house, we don't allow that in the house because we want peace in the house. I want peace for my children and peace in my property. Something that I do because he heals the brokenhearted and he binds their wounds. So as I finish, Isaiah 32, 18. As you go into your house, as you're praying tonight, pray this over your household. That my house, 
my family will dwell in a peaceful habitation. Might not have been like that for many, many years, but God, we're going to start doing this today. We're going to dwell in a peaceful habitation, in security, in dwellings, and in quiet resting places. You want home insurance for peace in your household. Invite Jesus in and over. Remove the drama and the unnecessary emotion. And let God point out, work on, and heal the house. Amen? Let's stand up as we get ready to eat and throw some bean bags. And look, right on time. Praise God. Uh, whatever it is, is ready to go. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for peace in these people's households. Father, they might not have had peace. There, there might be chaos. There might be unnecessary drama happening in their house. They might have been the ones that have allowed it in. But Father, I thank you for revealing to us home insurance this week. Father, something that we can do very simply, that as we drive home, we can just invite you into our house. As we step foot on our property, we can just invite you in. God, there's been so much stuff happening at our households and so much stuff happening around the world. Father, just come and visit my house and visit these people's houses to minister to them, to bless them, to heal them, to bring peace to their house. Father, I thank you that you reveal to us through your Holy Spirit the unnecessary drama and the unnecessary emotion that has been circling like a storm around our house. I mean, there might be some things that we have to change in our house. Might have to stop doing some things. Holy Spirit, reveal that to them. Might need to stop inviting those people over as much. Might need to invite some other people over more that have peace in their house and peace in their mind. So, Father, I thank you that you're showing them and as you come into their house, Father, not bringing any condemnation, but Father, as a, as a father, bringing love to your sons and daughters, pointing out whatever's dead in their house, working on it and healing it, causing the miracle to happen, and then propelling them to have faithful fruit in their house and in their lives going forward. So Father, I thank you for this home insurance policy that we just received today. I pray that we put it into action this week in our house and we see a change, we see a shift in the dynamic of our house. It says in your scriptures that everywhere we go, we diffuse the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. And so, Father, as we step foot into our households, we diffuse that fragrance, we diffuse that grace and that peace and that love into our households starting today. Father, I pray scripture over these people knowing that faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God that they have the mind of Christ, that their body is the temple of the most high God, that by Jesus' stripes they are already healed, that they are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. They are blessed where they are right now and they're blessed in the future that you're bringing them into. Father, I thank you that everything they put their hands to prospers. And Father, I thank you that it's not just about us, but it's also about others. And that we go out and be the salt and light of the earth, a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden, Father. I thank you that this week you will use us to send a text, to call somebody, to meet somebody in the store, to talk to somebody at work and share the gospel message with them. Tell them about the home insurance policy that they can leave hell and they can come to heaven with us by simply trusting and believing in your son, Jesus. Father, I thank you for this time together as we celebrate as a church, as we spend time together as a church. I thank you for all the people that have prepared the food. Let it be a nourishment to our bodies and help LSU win the national championship today at three. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you.
you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.